Uh, welcome, everyone. Uh, my name is Gard Little. I'm a research director with IDC, and I look after our digital transformation professional services research. And I'm really thrilled to be here uh, moderating this panel on enterprise IT as a service and talking about empowering the digital experience for broad spectrum, one of the clients that's here with me. Um, as part of the welcome here, uh, I hope you all had a chance to get one of the tickets uh, and fill it in, hand it out to one of the Wipro team. Uh, there's going to be a raffle at the end. We're going to uh, reserve about 15 minutes at the end of the uh, presentation for Q&A, so there'll be plenty of time to do that. There's a hashtag there, as you can see, for looking at uh, uh, some of those questions, and we'll be, uh, we'll be going through some of those when we get there. You know, with all of the talk about digital transformation uh, that's, that's going on today, uh, the objective here is for you to hear from a client or two. Uh, we have a special guest as well to talk about how Wipro and AWS can actually help implement some of these transformations. And I want to introduce uh, some of the panel members now so that we can talk about that. So uh, to my left, we have Ramesh Nagarajan. Ramesh is a senior VP, and he leads the integrated services practice of Wipro. And in this role, he's responsible for multi-service uh, line solutions and go-to-market strategies. He's also the Wipro designated leader for cloud. Uh, that theme and steering cloud-related solution strategies, alliances, and themes, as well as the marketing initiatives. Uh, next to him is David Watterson. Uh, David's Executive General Manager of IT Operations at Broad Spectrum. He's based in Sydney. He's got over 25 years of experience in the delivery of operational business services. Originally focused on IT, but uh, for the last five years, he's been uh, working with a broader scope, including finance, HR, and procurement. And in his current role at Broad Spectrum, which is a provider of essential services across multiple sectors, and I know he'll, he'll go into a little bit more detail about what that means, uh, he's had the opportunity to drive transformation across business operations, finance operations, and technology. Uh, also joining us is another client, uh, KN, who's uh, president uh, marketing technology services for Hart Hanks. Um, KN's focused on aligning marketing technology solutions to enable next-generation CRM. He's a very results-oriented, high-energy uh, tech executive with proven success in leading global IT organizations and transforming them uh, into a strategic asset for their businesses. So KN's going to uh, participate in our Q&A session, talk a little bit about his work with Wipro. Um, um, moving on, we have Stephen Orban. Stephen's head of strategy for AWS. Um, previously, he was a uh, CIO and a global head of tech uh, and was charged with developing and delivering best-in-class digital products uh, for all Dow Jones customers. Uh, his team supported and enhanced existing products for WallStreetJournal.com, Barron's.com, MarketWatch, Factiva, and Dow Jones Newswires. And uh, prior to joining AWS, he actually worked at Dow Jones for a couple years as well as a, a long stint at Bloomberg. So a lot of industry experience that he brought into the, the current role that he has. And, and then finally, we have Millen Halepeth. Millen is the Vice President of Global Infrastructure Services and Global Head of Cloud and Data Center Practice. He's got more than 20 years of experience in the industry and has represented Wipro as a leading uh, conference presenter on data center strategy and emerging technologies. He leads the cloud and data center practice for Wipro and has played a key role in developing their next generation transformational offerings. So welcome to all the panel. Really excited to have you here. I wanted to spend just one or two minutes um, talking about some of the trends that we see in the market and how those are driving the as-a-service economy. There are five trends I wanted to talk about. The first relates to slower GDP growth. And I think this is something that uh, many of you have seen. Uh, we're used to uh, using IT over the last 10, 15 years as a lever to uh, 
increased productivity and corporate uh, profits. That's really not so easy to do anymore. I think what we're finding in this new as-a-service economy is that you have to combine that with human resources and IT to drive those kind of productivity changes that are, that are going to drive profit growth uh, thing, through things like self-service, through things like digital transformation, those, those types of things. How many of the audience, raise your hand, are you seeing that slower GDP growth? Just give me your hand raise or say, yeah, I, I'm, I'm seeing that. Uh, that's, that's one of them. The second one is around innovation acceleration. You know, the legacy uh, projects, longer, uh, more expensive IT projects, I think, are really moving into the thing of the past. And folks like Wipro and AWS and clients like the ones that are up here are having to adjust the scale and the speed and the scope of what they do to stay relevant through things like using DevOps and design thinking and using a hybrid delivery model. How, how many of you are, are witnessing that kind of innovation acceleration in your, in your business? Just raise your hand or say, yeah. I think uh, another one is this issue about uh, ecosystem complexity. You know, uh, there have been a lot of proprietary solutions and services out there in the market, but realistically, from a, from a services perspective, fairly simple prime subcontractor relationships have been uh, what have been uh, leading us to the point here. I think as we move to this as-a-service economy, we're going to see a much more complex ecosystem, a lot more players, a lot more types of players, and a lot more customer choices to drive that. Any, anyone seeing that kind of increased ecosystem complexity? I just raise a hands. Yeah, I think that's, that's going to be critical for this uh, as-a-service economy. Labor substitution, you know, gone are the days where you can just use offshore as a, a labor arbitrage play. And, and I think we're moving now to a global delivery model. I call that all shores. We've got, we've got people working everywhere, but we also have a lot more automation. And this idea of substituting labor for uh, uh, software is a big part of that. And we have to figure out how to do that, but also how to rethink the roles for the humans and what, what they're going to be doing and how we train them and keep them productive. Anyone, anyone seeing that as a as a trend in their business, or raise a hand. I, I, I think that's going to be a, a, a big one over the next few years. And finally, I want to talk about uh, this trend of proactive intelligence. You know, typically you can see this idea of operations staff that have been mostly doing transactional tasks, doing ad hoc analysis, and that moves in this as-a-service economy to an area where operations folks are much more focused on interpreting data, trying to come up with new innovative ideas, and using real-time applied analytic models and techniques as well as insights from big data to drive their business. Anyone, anyone seeing that in their business? Yeah, I think those, those are going to be key, and I hope that we can use those as a way to get started on this conversation. I wanted to just talk about uh, this in a big picture for you before we get started, and I'll hand it off to Ramesh in a second. You know, uh, what, what it meant to integrate uh, systems and um, process transactions in the mainframe world, I think it was pretty simple. We had a lot of monolithic solutions. And although when we moved in the client-server uh, era of computing to a different set of players, some of the players stayed the same, some changed, what it meant to actually process transactions and integrate systems didn't really change. That's changing now. And as we get into this third platform of cloud, mobile, social, and analytics, we're blowing up these large monolithic applications into millions of piece parts. Uh, Lego blocks. I've been using Lego blocks for a while. I see that's used more and more now. In fact, I put up the AWS logo because you've actually got that, that idea kind of depicted in there. And I think that the cloud future that we're all headed toward is not going to rhyme as well with the past because of this, this shift and also because of the fact that we see um, 
the government intervention, you know, which is, which is, you know, listed in some of these different consent decrees that have happened and driven a lot of behavior in the industry, I think there's really not a consent decree in our future in the next uh, couple of years that's going to drive that. And even if I'm wrong about that, I think that this gives you an idea that the future is not going to rhyme that well with the past. And what that means to me, I think the implication is you need a guide to help you through this. Some things are the same in terms of being able to integrate all these different piece parts and business processes, but some things are changing. And so I'm going to hand it off to you, Ramesh, to talk a little bit about that. What, uh, tell us a little bit about what, what are you doing to try to guide your customers to be successful in this as a, as a service economy? Thank you, Gard. Uh, so if you really look at uh, IT services industry, uh, the tower based outsourcing is a passive. And uh, nobody wants uh, a technical outcome, but they want a business outcome. So the, in the digital era, there are four pillars that are driving, uh, uh, you know, uh, growth in IT services. They are uh, customer experience and uh, business acceleration, simplified uh, IT, and uh, connected ecosystems. In uh, all of this, uh, cloud is the uh, biggest catalyst. And uh, we have seen customers adopting, not just uh, for the reasons of, uh, uh, you know, variableizing the asset or uh, or uh, agility, but also to aid uh, the business and, uh, you know, accelerate the business change. And you will hear us uh, saying how we have laid out uh, this journey and uh, also one of the customer experience uh, uh, we are going to present here. And in this uh, journey, a lot of practices of a typical IT services industry, you know, like the application, the infrastructure, the BPO, the analytics, have to come together uh, to deliver this. Is it can't be delivered by uh, a single practice or a single service line of an IT services industry. The common question that we get asked is that can you structure your organization and in any different way? Uh, so that one group of people come and deliver this experience to the end customer. The fact is that uh, we cannot, and always multiple parts of uh, the organization have to come together to deliver this end experience to the customers. And overlaying uh, this uh, collaboration is uh, a new commercial constructs, which is uh, you know uh, paper use and uh, and on consumption led model that is uh, transforming this uh, industry. So what we are trying to do is uh, create uh, services around, uh, you know, business value articulation and how do you realize that business value. Uh, in terms of uh, of giving advisory on uh, on what uh, what needs to stay on prem and what needs to go on cloud and uh, how do you orchestrate this is uh, simultaneously. Yesterday in the keynote address of Andy JC, you heard uh, that hybrid cloud is here to stay and the customers are going to take this uh, uh, journey uh, for next few years uh, to come. So that's where we come into picture and here is a case study of, uh, of a boundaryless data center uh, that we have created and uh, uh, which will uh, enable this case, study, uh, enable this transition and uh, also, uh, in addition to facilitating the migration to a hybrid uh, kind of infrastructure, uh, uh, we, we are producing tool sets and uh, the management framework around it so that the customer can have a uh, 
one single window of orchestrating uh, this solution. And uh, here is a customer who has gone through this journey with us. Uh, uh, I would like to hand it off to uh, David Vedison, and uh, he is uh, EGM for uh, Broad Spectrum in Australia. He has seen through this journey, and uh, let's hear his experience. Thanks, Ramesh. Um, so Broad Spectrum is uh, a provider of industrial services, so we're essentially an outsourcer. Uh, we provide services across uh, Australia, New Zealand, uh, North America, um, uh, parts of Asia. Uh, we operate in multiple industries. Um, uh, we do things from running ferry companies and bus companies uh, to uh, doing shutdowns and turnarounds on oil refineries, uh, managing road and rail infrastructure. Uh, so, so just very quickly, a part of our culture um, given the industrial nature of our work is safety. Uh, we always have a safety moment when we're talking uh, to or with groups of people. Um, the, the, the safety moment I'd, uh, I'd offer here, given the context, is the amount of people I've seen walking and uh, reading, texting, uh, emailing. So the, the number of near misses I've seen uh, has been quite remarkable given the, uh, the tens of thousands of people uh, who are all walking in different directions with their head down. Uh, so so, uh, so that, that's the safety moment. Um, as an organisation, uh, we're about 24, 25,000 employees, uh, $4 billion Australian company. Um, uh, we have a, or had a need to simplify the services that we deliver to our business uh, and to uh, use technology as an enabler for that organisation. So we're a contracting company. We win contracts, we lose contracts. Uh, our ability to onboard new customers uh, and elegantly uh, offboard them is very important to us. Um, I, I, we're very reliant on IT. Uh, we use IT to drive many of our blue-collar operations uh, and had a need to modernise that IT environment. Uh, so we, uh, we'd spent a number of years diverting capital uh, into our major ERP transformation across the business uh, at the expense of our infrastructure environment. And that left us with a, uh, a, an older, uh, decaying, degraded uh, legacy infrastructure environment uh, and uh, a need to do something with that. Uh, so we had all of the traditional problems that people have in that kind of environment. The network was slow. It took us too long to provision. Uh, we, we really weren't providing the level of support to the business that we needed to. Um, opportunistically for us, we were in a position where we had that environment, uh, and in parallel in the same period that that had run down, uh, the world around us had changed. Um, the availability of... Uh, Public cloud infrastructure um, had grown dramatically. Um, uh, lots of consumerized technology uh, was now uh, mainstream, if you like. So we had a, a generational opportunity to move from that, uh, what was then a traditional, probably 20-year-old delivery model uh, into something completely new and different and solve uh, many and potentially more of the problems than we realized we had. Um, so given, given that aligning of the stars, uh, the, the challenges we had internally, 
um, the, uh, the availability of new and different things externally and the support of a, uh, a, a solid partner in Wipro, uh, we had the opportunity to transform. And, and transformation was uh, more than a buzzword for us. It was a, uh, a need. So this was about much more than just um, uh, upgrading, updating, becoming current. This was uh, a need to move into a very different operator model for the company, not just for IT. Um, so some of the uh, some of the things that we uh, did. So we made a decision around uh, how we were going to make that change, who we were going to make it with. Um, Wipro were an incumbent provider to us at the time. Uh, we did a fair amount of uh, analysis around the best way forward in terms of going to market, uh, looking at who was in the market in our regions and able to provide the services that we required uh, and who would be able to do that translation from where we were and what we had into where we needed to be uh, and the organisation that we needed to be. Um, so a consequence of that was we, we chose to go with Wipro. Um, in terms of going to the board uh, and getting agreement to that, uh, we did some uh, assurance work with a third party. Um, we, we made sure we could argue why that was the right thing for the organisation. Um, uh, in terms of the platforms that we chose, um, that this was one of three uh, large transformational programs we had. One of them dealt with our productivity suite. One of them uh, deals with our ERP uh, and moving those into the cloud. Um, for everything else, the, the answer was AWS, uh, and for us was was pretty clear uh, in terms of the offerings, um, the clarity of the commercials around them. Given that we knew the the model we were moving into moved us into a. Uh, a manager of consumption and an intelligent buyer of services rather than a technology um, provider ourselves, uh, but also the breadth and depth of uh, the offerings and the ecosystem that supported them. Um, the, the outcomes for us, we, we had a mantra of getting out of infrastructure. So infrastructure was a diversion for us. It detracted from uh, our, our main uh, our main aim, which was to support the business. Um, so, so we've we've achieved that, and we've achieved it uh, in greater depth than we intended to. So, all of our uh, authentication, proxy services, uh, th things like uh, DHCP, is all now delivered uh, uh, from the cloud. Um, we delivered the things that we said we would deliver. So, it takes us less time to build a new site. We have about 400 sites, and we turn over probably 15 to 20 percent of those annually. Uh, so, it's important to us to turn those, to turn those on quickly. Uh, and we've made dramatic improvements there. We can onboard new users quickly uh, and more effectively. Um, we've reduced our costs, uh, and we've delivered significant reduction in cost and also diverted it from capital to operational spend. So our return on capital for IT uh, has increased significantly uh, through the same period. Um, uh, what we didn't anticipate uh, that we've got out of this, though, was the platform that we've built, the broad environment that we have now, actually enables us to do things uh, that we, in some cases, didn't realize that we needed or wanted to do. So uh, that the IoT, Internet of Things, we've been uh, looking at opportunities for uh, a number of years around that. 
what can we do to enable uh, many of the devices that we support? How can we get data from them? How can we, uh, where we take on the risk of managing other people's assets? How can we do a better job of that? Um, with hindsight, uh, the environment that we had was a, a significant barrier to moving into a world where we were able to take advantage of the Internet of Things and the, the rapid development there. Um, so, so we now are able to uh, do the, uh, the, the rapid experiments, the quick fail exercises, um, without all of the red tape and the overhead that we previously would have had uh, around um, provisioning infrastructure, having to get access to capital uh, to go away and, and sink a lot of cost into something that may or may not be uh, uh, feasible in the longer term. Uh, some of the things that we learnt on the way, um, uh, partnering with someone uh, was critical. Um, it wasn't always easy, uh, but with a good, strong partnership, uh, we were able to work through uh, the most difficult of the, the challenges. Um, we hit more surprises than we expected to. Uh, we learned much more about our environment, which we thought we already knew pretty well um, as we went through. Lots of, uh, lots of things under rocks where we didn't know the rocks existed in the first place. Um, uh, applications are still applications. You can't just treat them as workloads. They have people who use them. They have owners who have uh, an opinion on where they should be and what should be done with them. Uh, we learned that lesson uh, uh, in a pretty difficult way with the first few, uh, in this case, stalled attempts at moving, uh, which, uh, which we were then able to apply across the rest to the point that we're now, uh, all of our application landscape is either in AWS um, or it's uh, in the case of our ERP, it's in uh, it's in SAPHEC. Uh, so we are uh, fully out of infrastructure. We turn off or hand back the keys to our last data centre uh, in March next year. Um, uh, keep going because the other thing we learned, uh, it is difficult. Once you've started, you, you kind of can't stop. You push the billy card off the top of the hill uh, and then hold on. Um, uh, and educating and communicating with the business as you go. Um, it's very easy for this to be seen as a, a, an IT or a technology project, and the reality of it is it, it, it isn't. Um, the enabling capability that we've built, uh, making sure that the rest of our business understands that uh, and puts themselves in a position to take advantage of it, uh, for them to take control of some of the technology direction uh, and not rely on uh, a, a central team to think of everything, do everything for them. Um, uh, it is something we're, we're still working through. So educating them as we've gone, making sure they understand where we are, what we're doing. Um, uh, but now moving forward, it's what can they do with that platform? How can we enable them? Uh, whereas previously, we've been seen very much as a, uh, as a restraining force on the business trying to move forward. Great. Well, thanks, David. I appreciate that. Uh, Dylan, can you talk a little bit about you know, how you've teamed with Broad Spectrum and what, uh, you know, what your team has done. Maybe give us a little bit of an inside view in terms of how you built and implemented these, these types of solutions. Sure. All right. Uh, overall, it has been a very remarkable transformation for us. And uh, let me highlight the solution blueprint and how we went about uh, doing this transformation. First of all, we focused at the end-user transformation. So... We brought in a service, what we call as the live workplace. And the core message here is it's not about technology, not about the devices. It's all about end users. 
So the question was, how can we uh, transform the end user experience, right? So today's users uh, are all using heterogeneous devices. There could be tabs, uh, there could be uh, laptops, mobile devices, uh, Chromebooks, etc. So uh, the ability to give access for any application from any device from any location is the core of this transformation. So it actually resulted in onboarding users very quickly and offboarding them as well. So that was the first component of the solution. The second component is hybrid cloud. And as David pointed out, uh, cloud-first strategy was at the core of this transformation. And uh, we looked at migrating majority of the workloads into AWS cloud. And there were certain applications which had very sensitive data. And uh, we kept only those uh, small number of applications uh, on-prem. And then we had ERP, IAS cloud. So managing all these things from multiple supply sources in a hybrid manner is a core component of the solution. The third component is site in a box. So BRS has more than 200 sites, uh, diverse uh, infrastructure, uh, multiple vendor technologies. Uh, and how do we uh, bring these services together un under a common framework? Can we do the solution blueprints and uh, crunch the time to service? So that was the core component of the solution inside in a box. The fourth component is the innovation framework. And uh, here we actually looked at the business KPIs, which are extremely critical for BRS's business. So time taken to provision services, time required to bring the site services up and running are important KPIs. And uh, that became the core of the metrics that we measured as a part of the innovation agenda. The uh, other components here is uh, the actual part of doing it, the industrialized services, and we set up a migration factory where we look at multiple migration archetypes, multiple application types. We did the pilots, and then we industrialized the services as a part of the migration factory. And since we have a hybrid cloud and varieties of services, it's extremely important that we rewire our processes under service management so that all the processes work in a hybrid manner, right? The capacity, availability management, service continuity, DR, all the processes pretty much need to be rewired to work in a hybrid context. And we made the changes to the processes, brought in the common tools framework uh, to manage the heterogeneity of the workloads in multiple clouds under a common framework and a common tool set and a common platform. So finally, on the consumption model, everything was pay-as-you-go uh, kind of a model. And people talk about paper drink, but here we are talking about paper drip, right? So we went to a granular level of pricing, giving complete transparency of the consumption model to BRS. So this is, uh, this is uh, an example of the transformation proposal. This is the next generation model that we brought to the fore. So some of the solution features, uh, hybrid cloud, um, AWS, SAP running on the IAS, and then there were uh, um, applications which had really sensitive and uh, very critical data, which was kept on-prem. So three different supply sources orchestrating together in IT supply chain model with a common uh, framework. Uh, the core of this is the unified marketplace, the self-service portal that we brought in, where users have uh, a seamless experience of provisioning services from a common entry point, integration of that with the service management and the ITIL processes. And finally, uh, it's important to uh, automate uh, the activities not only during provisioning, but post-provisioning activities, right? So this is where we got principles of the software delivery and con software configuration management uh, to drive the automation. So now, what were the key learnings? 
So the first one here is it's absolutely critical to get the planning right. And uh, we actually worked on building the service topology, service visualization for all the services, application to application dependencies, app, app to infra dependencies, infra to infra dependencies. So this becomes the core uh, of the transformation. Right, so that is the first learning. It's important to get this right. The second important consideration is uh, look at the security posture of the applications, right? And uh, based on that, decide the landing zones, decide what kind of uh, application need to go into cloud, etc. Data classification is equally important, and based on the data classification, prioritize uh, the the move groups and some of the uh, you know hardening principles around it. The third important component. It's very important to. Uh, Try the uh, pilots, do the POCs before that, and then get into the acceleration of the cloud migration. So we did that for every application archetype. Got the best practices and then accelerated through our industrialized framework. Uh, integration with the existing uh, systems is very critical. Uh, there are uh, systems like AD, uh, IDAM, uh, service management, etc. That needs to work in a hybrid scenario. Uh, finally, look at multiple migration strategies. There is no one strategy that works for all workloads. Uh, so we use Snowball technology from AWS to migrate data. We did hybrid migration, uh, various data strategies uh, to make sure that we have proper cutovers. So finally, new roles are important to make this kind of model work. There are roles like uh, solution blueprint designing. Uh, there are important roles uh, where business interface is required to create the marketplace. And finally, uh, we need scripters and automation experts uh, to drive the blueprints as well as the software configuration automation. So net net, these are the learnings. Uh, it has been a very interesting journey and uh, uh, pretty good experience working with David and team. Um, uh, thank you. Thank, thanks, Millen. So I, I appreciate that. Well, Steve, so you're the strategy guy now. So what's the what's the AWS strategy here in terms of trying to help uh, customers migrate to this uh, new operating environment or, or transform their businesses with? with what you all have on offer. Yeah, sure. So uh, good afternoon, everybody. And as Gard said, I, I look after the enterprise strategy for AWS. It's a role I've held for the last two years now. And prior to joining Amazon, I spent just under three years as the CIO of Dow Jones, where I was fortunate I had the opportunity to work with some of the brightest minds in both financial services and media and really help Dow Jones and their parent company, News Corp, transform their business using uh, modern technology. And in my role today, I spend my time in two key areas. The first is helping IT executives from the largest four or 5,000 companies in the world think about how they can transform their people, process, and technology using the cloud. And the second is developing what we're calling our migration acceleration program, where we're building what we believe is the world's and industry's most customer-centric and comprehensive migration program, bringing together people, tools, processes, and partners uh, like our partnership with Wepro to help customers exit their data centers and, and migrate their assets to, to AWS as fast as possible. Now, when I was a CIO, and many of the CIOs that I talked to, clicking the right button. Somebody help me with the next slide. That's what I was clicking. There we go. So when I was a CIO, and a lot of the CIOs that I have an opportunity to talk to over the course of the last several years often feel like poor Mr. Franco over here, where they really, really want to do everything that they can to focus on innovation and build new product and, 
and drive the business forward, but often feel just hamstrung by their legacy. Most organizations that we talk to spend somewhere between 75 to 80 percent in many cases on just keep the lights on, managing their existing systems, and really are, are because of that, can't focus as much as they want to on product innovation. Everybody wants to. They want to make sure that they're delivering as much product for their customer, but it becomes difficult because of all this legacy. So we've been really thinking deeply about that and trying to help customers think about what are the ways, what are the things that they need to do to be able to transform their operations so that they can both deal with this legacy but also modernize it to spin the flywheel for them to be able to also focus more and more on innovation. And we've kind of studied this pretty deeply over the past two years. You want to help me again? Maybe it's the Fogons and the Bogons. There we go. You just need the magic touch, I guess. Um, and we've seen a pattern in how a lot of these enterprises, enterprises like GE, Capital One, Enel, some of the other enterprises you heard from over the last two days, are really approaching transformation in their organization. And you see a lot of organizations start with kind of this cloud-native approach where they're really looking to take, take advantage of all the serverless, container-based DevOps tools in the cloud to be able to build modern applications. But at the same time, they need to be able to deal with retiring that technical debt. We have these as kind of two separate lines here because oftentimes in the beginning they're driven by separate groups of people, uh, maybe separate partners in the organization, but over time they really are mutually reinforcing to drive the organization forward towards transformation. And typically this starts with one or a few projects where the organization is just dipping their toe in the water. They probably have few skills in the cloud. A couple of years ago I would say this was primarily driven by shadow IT where somebody outside of the IT organization was looking to spin something up because maybe they were frustrated with how quickly they could get service from a shared services organization. Over the last 18 months, two years or so, we're increasingly seeing where most of our conversations are, are within the central technology organization, just as a function of the market maturing and there being more and more use cases and reference cases to help technology professionals navigate that. And then once an organization has its feet under itself and it kind of understands the value, it generally wants to start to scale that across the rest of their organization. So how can I take what I learned on my first few projects and take all that cost, speed, agility, security benefits and scale that through the rest of my, my team and organization? That's when we see some period of, of foundational investments. Usually the tip of the spear there is some kind of cloud center of excellence team where an organization is bringing together a cross-functional team, let's say from system administration, DBA, development, enterprise architecture, and putting them together to have a single-threaded focus on how the organization can build enterprise-grade best practices and governance around things like billing, identity management, having the right hybrid architecture, creating reference architectures that can be reused across various different business units with automation, security, and continuous integration built in. And as the organization develops that, they then start to hit this, this curve where now they can start to scale away from just individual projects with individual business units and start to migrate a lot of that legacy uh, all through this migration factory that we heard um, Broad Spectrum and, and, and WePro uh, just talk about. And that's when these foundational capabilities are then scaled throughout the rest of the organization. We see a lot of times where the operating model has changed substantially and organizations are moving to this DevOps model where they're putting much more accountability, ownership, and change management in the hands of individual lines of business and really um, having that cloud team be there as an enabler 
rather than a, a, a governor per se. And finally, as more and more stuff ends up being migrated, there's a real opportunity to, to reinvent the entire the entire business. And oftentimes we see a lot of customers who have a compelling event who really want to get out of a data center quickly or have some burning platform that they need to lift and shift over in, in a real expedient way. Then they have this opportunity. Once it's there, it actually becomes much easier to reinvent and optimize it uh, over, a, over a, a period of time. And we've seen this pattern happen over and over at, at some of the companies I've suggested. Uh, and some of the best practices that we've gleaned from that experience, you need the magic touch. That's amazing. I don't know what's going on there. But um, uh, this is by no means an exhaustive list. Uh, and I write about a lot of these on my blog. But some of the best practices that we see in organizations that do this really well is, is these five that I have listed here. And I'd say the first two, there has been, at least in my career time, no better opportunity for IT executives and professionals to learn something new to kind of future-proof their career here. And in terms of executive sponsorship, more and more often as some of these big migrations are happening and these organizations are transforming, it has to be driven by an, by an executive at the top who isn't afraid to challenge the status quo, who's providing clarity of purpose to the organization, helping everybody understand where they're going and why, and communicating it over and over and over and over again. And it's very rare that we see an executive can stand up in front of their staff and say something once and everything just starts to fall in line. This, this is something that's kind of a constant uh, effort throughout these transformation programs. And then in terms of enabling and educating all of their staff, I think, you know, it's true. People are sometimes anxious and afraid of what they don't know. And the best way to get them over that anxiety is to teach them what they don't know. And I'm a strong believer that Every organization here and every enterprise that we meet with already has the people that they need to succeed with the cloud. They, they just need to be um, enabled. Creating this culture of experimentation, that's you know fundamental in any kind of DevOps or continuous integration model where you're really looking to transform to, to, to a model where you're going to have a lot more agility and be able to respond much more quickly to market events and customer, customer reaction. And moving away from these three, six, nine, 12 months long product cycles where you typically had to wait two months to rack and stack hardware to be able to do everything and really moving to a, you know, a few-week sprint model using infrastructure that you can spin up very quickly, but maybe just as, if not more importantly, spin down when you're done and not using. So you don't have that kind of added cost on an ongoing basis. Creating this cloud center of excellence, I talked about that as one of the pillars of building any kind of successful foundation and a transformation program. And really using that team as the fulcrum by which changes created in the organization. And then finally, looking you know, at, at, at your partners and who's going to help you do this, particularly as you're creating these cloud teams or these migration factories so that you can enable yourself for a long-term future success. And inside of our migration program that I briefly mentioned before, we have a uh, migration competency that our partners, who have a proven track record and, cert and enough certified individuals of helping large companies migrate, um, uh, can achieve, and we're delighted with the work we've been uh, doing here with, with Repro through Broad Spectrum and, and other companies. Um, and Repro has achieved that competency, and we're, we're very excited with a lot of the other migrations we're, we're continuing to work with them on. But it's just been amazing to me how, uh, how many big companies are continuing to reconsider the types of partners that they want to work with, looking for folks like Repro who have the skills that they need to help them um, moving forward.
Well, thanks, Stephen. I, I really like this slide in terms of uh, being a roadmap for adoption and what the, what the stages are. And I think I think folks in general can can use that. Obviously, there's a URL you can link to to probably get some more information. But but just in in terms of your own thinking about what are the strategic steps and what are the things you have to put in place to drive these things, uh, that's that's really helpful. So uh, we're we're going to move into the Q and A. So start start thinking about those questions. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead off with one and just uh, reintroduce Kan here and ask can to maybe uh, spend a minute or two to talk a little bit about your experience. I, I know sort of we're, we're at different stages. You know, you're just sort of getting getting to know and, and, and work with Wipro. You've done a little bit of uh, assessment work with them. Uh, you know, I, I know that uh, David and Broad Spectrum, you've had a longer a longer period of time to work. But as a as a relatively, uh, uh, you know, newer on the project lifecycle can, maybe could you tell us a little bit, spend a minute or two to tell us about what are your expectations of Wipro as you, as you move through this transition, as you, as you do this cloud Migration. What is it? What is it that you're looking uh, for from them in this in this overall process? Okay, I'm going to address that uh, first by giving a perspective of where we are and where we want to be and how Wipro is helping us get there. Like Heart Hanks is a marketing agency. We deal with uh, CMOs. We have multiple lines of business: digital delivery, traditional mail. Um, we do databases for customers. Uh, we have a consulting organization. We have uh, warehouses and uh, and uh, and fulfillment services that we do. So we do end-to-end -end, um, services for most of the CMOs. And when we talk about a CMO uh, space, a difference between an IT project, I was a CIO before, a difference between a CIO project and a CMO project, a CMO project is usually tied to a top line. It's, Revenue, churn, whatever you call it, they, there's a definite month-end number that needs to be reported and a quarterly number, if, especially if you're a public company. Uh, CIO doesn't quite have that pressure. They have different pressures. Uh, right? but, but when we talk through this thing, right, when, when, as we look at our customers, what their needs are, where they want to go, there is data coming from – we used to build databases for them to do marketing campaigns worked very well, did their job. But now with the change of amount of data that's coming in, the amount of modeling that you can do, amount of predictions that you can do, how do you marginally uh, optimize your marginal dollar that you spend on either attracting customers or converting customers? That's becoming important to them. For that, it's not just about data, it's about analytics, right? It's how close to real time that you can get to affect that customer's experience, to affect that uh, that touch point. And how do you optimize your channel, like your multiple channels? Point of sale, you have uh, email touch points, all these things, the call centers, all these things. How do you optimize that mix and so you can target the right message to the right customer at the right time? The, and we have a, I have an interesting perspective on this because I, I own the data services, the practice area as well as I'm also I also own our infrastructure side of things. So I got data centers that I'm trying to figure out how to move out of. Right? That's where Wipro has been helping us a lot. And at the same time I have customers who want to go to the cloud. And most of the time when they interact with their IT, uh, IT does it's uh, typically it becomes a IT project that has a two year lifespan. No CMO will ever sign off for a two-year lifespan. If you don't do it within the next three to six months, you are of no use to them. Move on. 
right? So that's where, that, that's the challenge and that's the environment that we're in. For that, to solve that problem and to specifically help our customers achieve their goals, we need to become more agile, nimble, and fast. The traditional data center, I'll buy hardware approach is long gone. Now we gotta go into the, the cloud platforms. How soon can I spin it up? How, how can I support this? That's where we are going. That's the, that's the sweet spot that we want to get to. And analytics and tied to various channels that they want to attack and optimize that dollar. Wipro has been a good partner for us. In the, they've done the, so before Wipro, I engaged another company to come and look at my data centers. They did a pure hardware view of things. Uh, if you ask a data center guy to come and look at it, they'll look at it from a pure hardware and say, you got this many servers, this is your storage, blah, blah, blah. Right? The, the challenge that you need is you need a top-down approach as well that says here's your application, this is your clusters, this is how you move. That vision, that path is where these guys are excelling and they're helping us a lot. Got it. Right? Um, we are at the very beginning of our cloud journey. Um, hopefully within the next year, we'll be at a much different space. Great. Well, thank you, Kayan. I, uh, I appreciate that perspective as you're, uh, as you're starting on this. And now I'd like to open it up to the, uh, the audience. We have a, a runner with a mic, so if you just want to raise your hand, we'll get a mic to you and try to open it up to uh, our Q&A. Hi. My question is for Stephen. Um, do you find that Amazon and um, your partners larger successful customers are utilizing um, technology business management practices kind of as a wrapper around their cloud centers of excellence so they can enforce governance and keep what good they have started, the momentum they've started, keep that going. So when you ask about technology business management, are you, are you specifically referring to Aptio's yes. TBN platform? Yeah, we have a lot of enterprise customers in Aptio and, and, and AWS have a lot of uh, uh, common customers. And we do find that some of our larger enterprise customers who are using TBM and Aptio's platform to do cost baselining will often use that to help them understand what the cost savings and how that cost profile is going to change as they migrate to the cloud over a, a period of time. Um, and almost undoubtedly in, in the kind of the, the major benchmark we've seen in lift and shift scenarios without any optimizations whatsoever, it's usually around a 30% uh, TCO cost savings, and then of course there's much more uh, opportunity available when you start to think about right-sizing your instances, moving towards an auto-scaling architecture, or going even further and then moving into using serverless technologies like Lambda and DynamoDB where there's actually no uh, servers to, to uh, for you to maintain. And we're working very closely. I, I, I talk regularly with Sonny, the, the CEO at Aptio, and we're, we're working very closely to continue to align our product feature sets. They recently uh, announced and launched a feature where they're taking in data from AWS Trusted Advisor, where we've saved our customers well over $400 million by, by pushing uh, optimizations proactively to them about how they can right-size their environment. And so Aptio is pulling that data into their platform and surfacing that to their customers where they're already looking at their cost baseline. Their new Stroud cloud strategy economic system, is that the? I, I don't recall the name, um, okay. but I'd be happy to, yeah. uh, if you're already using them, you probably have a rep there, but I'd be happy <clears throat> to get you in touch with the right folks. And uh, 
Do you at Amazon, do you recommend to customers and have your partners recommend to their customers that they utilize the application rationalization part of the Aptio suite? Because it doesn't seem like many people are, I, from what I hear, they're not using it. They get it and then they don't use it. They don't really get the value of that. Yeah, we see customers taking a number of different approaches to doing application profiling and discovery. There's a number of services in our tool chain, like the AWS Application Discovery Services, and we have some other partners, Risk Networks, Dynatrace, Wepro has tools as well uh, to help do basic discovery, understand what's in the environment, how things communicate, how well applications perform, what's under or overutilized. Um, so Aptio is one of, of, of many tools in that in that suite. Um, certainly for customers who are already using Aptio for their TBM and cost management, it, it seems like it would be a a re reasonable choice to do that um, as well. Okay, thanks, Stephen. So we have another question over here on the side in the back. Hi. Um, <clears throat> what's nice about reInvent is we get to hear of about a lot of the great transformation success stories, and uh, it's it's inspiring. Um, but if, we're, if, if you happen to be in a company that or have been in companies where you've seen transformation initiatives that haven't quite gone as well or even outright failed, what can you say about especially for either Steven or the guys from Wepro, what, what kind of patterns have you seen in those failures or those less than successful initiatives? And if, if for those of us who are not CIOs, what can we do to try and avoid those? I'll give one. Uh, don't boil the ocean in the beginning. Uh, I see a lot of boiling of the ocean or I see a lot of analysis paralysis where organizations are trying to solve for every single scenario that they might run into when they haven't even figured out what the hard problems are yet. And so a lot of money and effort gets poured into trying to build mitigations or foundations that aren't really going to be what you're going to run into in reality and things take too long and budget gets consumed too quickly. Uh, so my advice is always if you think about that chart I showed before where you start with a project, start just start with something. Get it out there, implement something. It won't take you very long to realize how much quicker and easier you, you're going to be able to deliver product and then show that up as a quick win or a hero uh, and get everybody excited about what the art of the possible is and then start to think about some of the things that you have to think more deeply about once you have some uh, to, to build foundation with once you have some experience doing it. Can I just have from our perspective, this is our success story because this is ultimately where we got to. There were plenty of uh, pl plenty of false starts ahead of this, uh, and I think the thing for us was uh, having a need to do it. So we we, we did a bit of the toe in the water um, uh, things before. They never really went anywhere because they weren't solving a problem that we that we had. So it was only once we linked what we really needed to do with what was available and at that point mature and able to do it, um, that, that it, it became almost, it, it was far from self-delivering, but, but it, became, uh, it became the obvious thing to do. Uh, and it then got the institutional support, the enterprise support to drive it through and to get through each of the roadblocks that we hit along the way. So uh, we have also seen uh, customers stuttering in this uh, journey. What I would advise is take a process down view and uh, start with the business problem and not uh, construct this transformation as a as an infra app. And uh, that is one advice. The second is that uh, completely agree with uh, Stephen that 
you need to sequence after detailing you need to sequence the the execution and create uh, the initial wins and uh, which will help you bootstrap uh, the program those are the two uh, learnings that uh, i can table thank you Our, our, our CIOs, for whatever reason, seem to be more interested in um, solving the biggest problems first, which is part of why we struggle with this. But that could just be our company. I still think you can start with big problems, but solve them in bite-sized chunks. Okay, any more questions? See, transformations succeed when there is a life-threatening event. <laughs> you don't transform for the sake of tra transformation. Typically, you go through this reinvention when you're about to die or, or you see the train coming down the track, right? But even, even in that spot, they're all correct, right? You start small. You have a roadmap. You attack it. But, all, but stay persistent. Not everything goes smoothly. You will stumble. The question is how well you f get up and go back at it again. You can't just give up. No, thanks, Kayan. So we probably have time for about one more question uh, over okay. here. And I'll start with a comment on that topic. And four years ago, this new AWS thing that we'd never heard of before, the first thing we did is just stand up a dev and test environment. And next thing you know, we rebuilt it as a production environment and off, you off go. we go. So oh, great. start with something that if you drop it, <laughs> nobody knows. Uh, so. Uh, my question, which I tried to tweet in, uh, has to do with PCI compliance or other other IT compliance issues um, and how you've addressed that as you do your migration projects, um, if, if there's some best practices or things that you've learned on how to, how to address those. Uh, it came to mind, especially as you walk through and talking about starting with the end user experience, because that's the biggest thing for us is just getting end users actually doing things in PCI compliant ways and not okay. doing Quick, stupid one, stuff. One minute on PCI compliance. So I can't talk to PCI compliance. I can talk to compliance generally. Um, we we had to uh, we had to learn a lot in, in a lot more detail about what our responsibilities were from a compliance and from a uh, security perspective. We have defence customers, for example. Um, uh, we, we, we have no um, we have no insights into it. Uh, it was just hard work, so we had to apply a stream to it. There was a specific focus on it, uh, and maintaining the maintaining that focus was what we did to get us through it. Um, so no, no silver bullet from from our perspective. So uh, most of the time it. It fails because PCI compliance is uh, is done as an afterthought. So it has to be very upfront and part of your design and where you're going to place your application, what is the security controls that we need to put around the zone of uh, PCI that is needed. Customers who have done that uh, as part of uh, their strategy and had their designs detailed out uh, generally succeed. And, and whoever is waking up, Post-production, it's, it's, it's a rework all the way. 
that's what we have seen. Great. Thanks, thanks, Ramesh. You know, we're going we're gonna to take it out here with the raffle, but uh, Stephen has to leave. I know you've got a press conference you've got to go to, so thank you for being thank part of the panel. And uh, uh, really appreciated that. And so, Ramesh, I know you wanted to uh, do the fun part now. Yeah, sure. Uh, here you go. Yeah, it's just process-wise, if you have your tickets, just hand them to one of the Wipro team uh, members, and then we'll uh, we'll draw that. Was there anything else you just wanted to say while we're while we're doing the collection, Ramesh? Yeah. So uh, so this is the any digital transformation journey has to start from the stop with the business value attached, and I wanted to reiterate that. And uh, I, it is the question of how do we detail that uh, uh, business strategy and convert them into IT strategy and implementation. And cloud will only be accelerating this. Uh, uh, Wipro can definitely help uh, in this journey. Please uh, stop by our booth to know some of some more case studies. Thank you for coming.